Hey bosses, this week's sponsor is Fundrise, bringing you the future of real estate investing. Get started for as little as $1,000 at investlikeaboss.com slash fundrise. Find out more during the break. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny F.D. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 55 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm here, Sam Marks. Hey Johnny. Hey everybody. Greetings from Spain. Yeah. Uh, this is really cool that we are all the way out here in Spain. I just got done hiking this weekend in rural backcountry and this episode that we're going to have with Mark Podolsky with The Land Geek is going to be perfect because when I was out there, I was thinking, I can own some of this. <laughs> this episode is exciting. This is my style episode. It's a little bit of mix of business. It's a mix of investing. It's entertaining. And Mark is a very smart and inspirational guy. But just to get everyone excited, Mark has flipped successfully over 5,000 pieces of raw land, which is just insane. Yeah. So if you guys don't understand what raw land is, you've never really heard about it. Basically, imagine a plot of land it could be 20, 30, 40 acres of land that is miles and miles and miles away from the smallest towns. So not somewhere that you would buy you know, a land to build your house in California or something, but mm -hmm. something kind of just out in the backcountry. And it's crazy how much land there is in the US. And to be honest, at first, when I first heard about the Land Geek and, and what he does, and I thought he was just flipping property. I was like, ah, you know what? I'm sure you can make some money from it, but that's not really for me. That's not really passive income. That's not really something that I want to do. I don't want to just, you know, work and trade time for money, even if that money is a big multiple. But when I found out that not only is he flipping it for a big, big return, sometimes 300x, sometimes even higher, mm -hmm. He is creating his own passive income by owner financing these properties. And I think, and I hope you guys get into this because that to me is the most exciting part of this. I agree. The automation, the systems that he's built around this, and the ability to cash flow raw land, which I had never even heard of, is pretty incredible. So there's going to be a lot of takeaways after this. Stay tuned afterwards. Johnny and I will we'll get on and have our own commentary, but get excited for this episode with the Land Geek. Enjoy. Hey bosses, have you ever wanted to invest in real estate but didn't want the headache or risk of becoming a landlord? Well, Fundrise may be the answer. They allow you to earn passive income while they do the work. Get started today and skip the waitlist by using our special partner link at investlikeyourboss.com slash Fundrise. Sam Marks. Mark, how are you? I'm well, how are yourself? I'm good. I love that you're on the treadmill. Hey man, sitting's the new smoking. Oh my gosh. I heard you say that on one of your podcasts. Were you doing the are, are you always doing the treadmill? I'm always doing it. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, this is amazing. I gotta get myself one of these. This is how I podcast. I because I feel like I, I think better when I'm walking and talking. It's it's so smart. Yeah. I never try to have phone calls when I'm just sitting around. I always go walk outside and get some fresh air. It's really it's, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, you know what's so funny about that is I actually got yesterday at the Apple store a uh a sure mic that connects to my iPhone uh -huh. so I can walk and do that in podcast. But like I was talking to my buddies like, well, I kind of hear you walking. Dude, this background. is, this is just too good. I wasn't going to start the episode yet, but we, I think we're going to have to include this. This is awesome. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and where, where are you right now? I'm in Phoenix. Okay. I actually just passed through there. I took the Amtrak from LA to Austin, Texas, and uh, I've done it before and it was a great experience, but this one was particularly terrible. It was just a, a really bad group of people on it. And there was oh. there's two domestic fights. They had to stop the train somewhere around uh, Phoenix and kick people off. It was it was pretty rough. Oh my so, gosh, that's yeah. crazy. It was. It was indeed. So uh, wow. so you're enjoying the warm weather all year round. Oh, it's phenomenal. Cool. And is this like a little studio you got set up in your place or yeah, yeah. This is the garage office. So this is my garage that I converted to my office. Uh -huh. So I've got AC in here. You know, it's like a 500 square feet nice. office. Nice. That's awesome. perfect. It's a little, a little man yeah. cave for for podcasting and uh, and treadmilling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool, man. Well, why don't we just jump straight into it? I think this has uh, been a great intro already. Um, but dude, there's so, there's so much I want to talk about with, with Lan. And I think it's a particularly interesting 
subject matter because we've never touched it before. And we know nothing about acquiring land. And I think there's probably nobody better to talk to about yourself and importantly, how to cash flow from it. So we're pumped up to have you on the show and uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, where to begin, man? How did you eventually get into real estate and specifically land? So I was a very unhappy investment banker. And uh, I was doing, you know, mergers and acquisitions with private equity groups and nothing too crazy, you know, mid-market stuff, uh, five to 500 million in enterprise value. Mm -hmm. And I'm miserable, right? I got a 45 minute commute to work and back. I'm in a cubicle. It's high pressure. I'm micromanaged. And, um, you know, it's like eating away at my soul, Mm -hmm. right? So we hire this guy who is telling me that on the side, He's going to tax deed auctions and he's buying up raw land and he's flipping it online. Now, remember, this is 2000. Mm-hmm. And he's flipping it online. And he's making 300% returns on his investment. So, Sam, I look at companies all day long, right? Mm-hmm. And a great company, a great company has over 15% EBITDA margins mm-hmm. or free cash flow. Your average company is at 10%. I'm looking at companies all day long less than 10%. So I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm from the show me state. I don't <laughs> believe it. So I got like three grand saved up for car repairs. We go to like the middle of nowhere, New Mexico, and we go to a, a tax deed auction. There's no one in the room. And I buy up 10 half acre parcels for $300 each, mm-hmm. right? I do exactly what he tells me to do. I, I put them up online. They sell for cash for over $1,200 each, right? Mm-hmm. So now I take all that money. I go to another tax deed auction in Arizona. Again, no one in the room. I buy up all I can. And on that auction, in the, like the next six months, I made $90,000, right? Wow. So I go to my wife. I'm like, honey, I'm ready to quit my job. I'm going to invest in land full time. She says, absolutely not. <laughs> so I said, fine, fine. So I worked part time in land investing and, you know, nights and weekends and mornings. And then it took me 18 months for the land investing income to exceed my investment banking income. And I've been quit. I've been doing it full time ever since. I've done over 5,000 land flips. Wow. And, wow. Um, I love it. So, I, you know, I've been free since 2001. Oh, congratulations. I'm, I'm unemployable, Sam. <laughs> well, you got a quite an office there, an enviable one. We're going to have to send a share a photo of you on the treadmill in your man sure. cave in Phoenix. But that's awesome, man. Well, I was actually really hoping that we would be able to talk about, you call them uh, tax deeds, correct? Right. So there's a tax deed auction, mm-hmm. which is when you actually own the property. And tax lien auctions is when an investor actually will bid down or bid up the interest rate. Right, mm-hmm. which is a, a really um, kind of a cool way to to make you know let's say sixteen to twenty four percent on your money is with tax lien investing. The problem with it today is that it's super competitive. Right, gotcha. hedge funds do it, private equity groups do it, um, and they can make you know two percent on their money, and because of arbitrage, they're you know they, they get a, a big returns. Uh, so it's very very competitive. I actually like to own the asset, so I don't even go to auctions anymore. What I'll do is I'll get a list of people that owe back taxes and live out of state, right? Mm -hmm. Because if they owe back taxes, they're kind of already advertising. They don't value that property anymore, right? And if they live out of state, there's no emotional attachment to it, right? So what we'll do then is we'll send them a quote-unquote top-dollar offer 20 to 30 cents on the dollar. So what we do is the Warren Buffett method, right, for our pricing. We want to have this massive, massive, um, uh, you know, just margin of safety, right, of mm-hmm. 300%. So I'll look at the comps and I'll divide by four and then I'll put that into my spreadsheet and I'll actually send out a real offer because I don't want to be in the appraisal business, Sam. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend all day on the phone saying I'm interested in your land. They're like, well, I'm interested in selling. What are you going to offer me? Right. So it's an actual offer. Now, three to five percent of people will accept our offer. We go through due diligence and then we close on that property. And then within 30 days, we sell that property. And my favorite way to sell it is on owner financing. So this is how we get a, a piece of raw land to actually cash flow, because what we'll do is we'll usually get our money out on the down payment or within six months of that down. Right. And we just make it a car payment. Right, mm-hmm. maybe a thousand dollars down, two forty nine a month, at you know ten percent interest, and essentially we've now created a note. So we have recurring income coming every 
every single month Mm -hmm. without any renters, without any rehabs, without any renovations, without rodents. Because we're not dealing with the tenant, we are exempt from Dodd-Frank, RESPA, and the SAFE Act. And this is why one of my podcasts is called The Best Passive Income Model. Because, you, you know, I don't think there's anything better out there except for maybe life insurance because that's just an idea. Yeah, really smart stuff. So I want to go back to where I had previously bought a piece of land when I was very young uh, with my dad. And I want to say I was probably 13. And I had all the terminology mixed up until you just straightened it out with tax lien and tax deed. And we went up to South Carolina and we went to one of those auctions. We ended up buying a taxed lien property, I believe. And you're going to have to go through this and, and, and straighten out the terminology and how it all works. But I, I, I believe that we bought a piece of property that they owed interest to us on, like you said, somewhere around 12%. And then they didn't pay the interest back and then we were able to acquire it. Again, this was so long ago. So I, I hope you can uh, straighten out the terms. But then we ended up acquiring the property, but we didn't do anything with it for about four or five years. And I, I could always remember my dad being like, you know, oh, we don't, uh, we got to pay the tax on it every year and it's just sitting there. So I would imagine so much of this and what you do and how, how you make this successful is just having it into a mechanism where you acquire it at much undervalued and then you have a channel of being able to flip that and cash flow it through financing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, so we, you know, with software now, we have our own proprietary software program and we're 90% automated. So we upload a list. The offers immediately go out via lob.com, via an API. Mm-hmm. And when they come back, we go through each stage of the business. What used to take 20 minutes in paperwork now takes two seconds. Wow. So between three of us last month, we saved 119 hours working in the software. So now I work in Frontier Equity Properties, my investment, my land investing business, mm-hmm. two hours a week. And it's it, it really is amazing how... You, you can scale up today with software. That's amazing. And did you create your guys' own software or have you used something else external? No, we, we created our own software based on our model. So, um, you know, once you start doing due diligence, um, we have our VA go in, uh, they do the title reports, they get our screenshots for Google Earth maps. We want to get the GPS coordinates. Mm-hmm. Um, we want GIS maps. So everything that uh, a buyer would want, that, so we, when we're doing our due diligence, we're also doing our marketing. So then we press a button, it automatically starts creating the ad, and it generates it to our website. Mm-hmm. And then from that, you know, we, we start creating, we had an auto, automation program with Craigslist. So we do about 124 Craigslist ads a day. And um, it's, it's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I, meant, I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts already. It's great. And one of, that was one of the takeaways you were talking about Craigslist automation. I was like, how, you know, and then in the beginning of this podcast you mentioned you did you've done 5000 properties and my brain was just like wow like how do you how do you get from 1 to 5000 i mean there has to be certain automations in there right yeah i mean the whole thing is is automated absolutely incredible so how did the name the land geek come about is that your personal name or is that just for the business you know i'm geeky <laughs> and so i thought to myself well no one's going to remember mark podolsky Right. But the land geek they'll remember. Yeah. And and that's how I started it. Good branding, my man. Good branding. So what are some of the other benefits? You mentioned uh, a few of them previously, but it's worth kind of reviewing and just kind of underscoring some of the benefits of owning raw land. Right, right. So Ted Turner, who is the largest landowner in the United States, has a great quote. And he says, buy raw land. It's the only thing that lasts. And when you think (laughs) about it, it's true. Like land will last longer than styrofoam. Right, styrofoam lasts a long time. Yeah, but it, even that will one day decompose. But land lasts forever, so it's it's really a great asset because it requires no maintenance. There's nothing to protect. There's you know, and you know, typically when you're a land investor, it's it's a hockey stick type of chart, right? Mm-hmm. So the typical land investing model, which I don't agree with, is you buy land. And you hold it for 20 years, you keep paying the property taxes. And if you're in the path of growth, the developer will come in and then it hockey sticks up and you make this massive return. We've all heard the story about someone who bought land, you know, outside of the city, growth came in, and then mm-hmm. you know, old Jeb is a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we do is we shortcut that process and we then, you know, sell those properties to people that basically are, are growth investors, they're recreationalists. Um, they're military, 
Uh, they're preppers. They're they're hoping for the best. They're preparing for the worst. Or what, what I call man jewelry. I've got a, a guy in San Diego who's a CEO. He he has he spends five thousand dollars a month with me every year, every month because in just buying up more property because he thinks it's cool and he just wants to keep building up his net worth in raw land. So it's it's a huge market and there's a lot for land in this country, but no one's doing it. If you go to a RIA meeting, right? There'll be a hundred people in that room. Ninety-nine of them will be single-family home house flippers or wholesalers. You and I would be the only land guys. So three thousand seven counties, billions of acres. You, me, a million people could get in this niche, right? We'll all run out of money before we run out of deal flow. Yeah, it's not a, a sexy business. You can't go on HGTV or DIY network and see flip this land. What are they going to do? Watch me in my office shuffling paper? <laughs> you know, typing on the computer, going on Google Earth. Huh. I mean, it's not a visual medium, so you know it's it's always going to kind of be this sort of non-competitive kind of thing. Yeah, you you mentioned Ted Turner. Have you read his book, Call Me Ted? No, I should though. That's a great book. I I, I really you know he's somewhat of a controversial guy. He's got a, he take cares a lot of slack with him, but his book is awesome, really inspiring. And I've never kind of thought of Ted as like the smartest guy, but he's always just found out found a way to win and and uh, you know staying super competitive throughout his life. Oh yeah, absolutely. So how much of your strategy, Mark, is really finding good value property? So you mentioned kind of taking the Warren Buffett approach to finding property and, and finding value. Is that a, a you know a relatively large part of the overall strategy? Yeah. In fact, I always have a, a bag of M&Ms on my desk. And, and for my clients, we always send them a bag of M&Ms because ultimately there's only two things in this business that make you money, mailing and marketing. Hmm. And that's it. Right. If you're not mailing, you're you're a chicken business without chicken. Right. Mm -hmm. You've got to have deal flow. So that's a huge aspect of the business is doing your county research, you know, finding finding good markets where you already know definitively that deals are being done there. Don't be a trailblazer. Don't go somewhere where you think, oh, there's no competition. Well, there's probably a reason there's no competition. (laughs) Right. So you want to go where you know there's deals being done. And then you just take a look at the comps, you divide by four, you send out the offers. And then once the offers come back in, you do your due diligence, you close on the deal, and then you start marketing. And the best place to market, Sam, is guess where? The internet? No. Craigslist? No. Your website? No. The podcast? No. Through the land geek? No. I love love putting you on the spot. We have a built-in best buyer. It's the neighbor. The neighbor. Oh, right? I probably would have gone at least a hundred, hundred guesses before I got to that. <laughs> right. So you're so the neighbor who's who's got a house isn't going to buy another house, uh-huh. but the neighbor who has a piece of raw land might want to actually uh-huh. increase their land holding, or they want to, or they're scared. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't know who their new neighbor is going to be. Maybe that person's going to go vertical and ruin their view. Mm-hmm. Right. True. True. Um, yeah. So we send out these neighbor letters saying, "Hey, before we go to the open market, we're going to give you first chance right now sometimes they pass and they say hey i'm interested in selling my property too now we've got a larger track to sell Mm -hmm. right and then we'll go to our buyers list which is the only thing we own and then we go to craigslist and then we'll go to facebook groups buy sell groups landandfarm.com landsofamerica.com landflip.com landhub.com there's a whole bunch of land sites so Mm -hmm. you know we don't ever want to have to generate our own traffic we don't we don't pay for traffic so when you said mailing, so you said two things, mailing and marketing. So the mailing is, is just, Sending is, out the yeah, offers. it's just offers, right. right? So you've already done your, the majority of your DD at that point, at least uh, pre-offer DD. And then you have properties that you're interested in and then you're, you're just mailing them out at kind of valuations that you feel would be, you know, would work for you guys. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. So if, if we have a less than 3% response rate, our offers came in too low. If we have over 5% response rate, uh-oh, we probably came in too high. Wow, that's down to a science, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And what are some of the high-level qualities that you would look for, qualities and characteristics that you'd look for in land? Well, you know, it's funny because when I first started, I was kind of a land snob, right? <laughs> I, I, I went out and I looked at, I went out with my buddy and I, I looked at this, we were like in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. I mean, Sam, this looked like Chernobyl. It was just <laughs> ugly. In the middle of nowhere. And we could buy all these properties over the counter for like nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so my buddy's like, I'm going to buy them. You want to split it with me? And I'm like, you're going to buy this? I'm like, you know what's going to happen? Refunds. 
right? People are going to go out there. They're going to, they're just going to ask for refunds. I'm like, I'm not buying any of it. So he starts selling it online. He starts emailing me the sales and he's making like a thousand percent, right? And so he keeps emailing me. He's like sale. And I'm like, and I email him back refund, right? Mm-hmm. So he emails me back another sale. So this time I email him back refund slash lawsuit. Well, he sold out all that property. Sam, guess how many refunds he had? One side of the fence or the other, right? Zero or a lot? He had zero. Okay. Zero. So there's a pig for every barn. So I learned the hard way watching my buddy make a hundred grand right in front of me. You know, don't be a land snob. Just because I'm not the market for that land doesn't mean there's not a market for it. So, you know, Scott Todd, uh, one of my clients, Mm He he bought in a mud pit in Florida. He he screwed up his due diligence. He bought in a mud pit and he made thirty grand on that deal because somebody went out there and it was perfect for them. And they sent him a video, you know, driving around in their in their uh, quad in the mud. They <laughs> oh my gosh! It. They literally just wanted a playground. They just wanted a playground. I sold uh, a piece of property on eBay uh, that was on the side of a mountain. Another due diligence mistake, mm. right? It was 40 acres. I paid $2,500 for it. It, it went up to $37,000. And I'm freaking out. I call the buyer. The buyer wires the funds. I'm like, why'd you buy this? I'm like, you know it's on the side of a mountain, right? He's like, he's like it's perfect. Hmm. He's like, I'm a director in LA, and I'm filming out there, and I don't want to have to deal with having to get permits. Yeah. So I bought the land. Wow. So you, know, so, you know, as far as the criteria, I've got to really, as long as there's something compelling about the property, you, you know, you can find it. Do you have good access to it? I'm, I'm, I got a low threshold now as far as what what I would buy, and and you know, of course you know I've got to have my margin of safety. If I'm not buying it twenty three cents of the dollar, I won't buy it. It's like you have your beer goggles on, but for but for land. I have beer goggles. You know what? I'm gonna <laughs> steal that. I have beer goggles on for land. So I was actually looking before we got scheduled to do this episode. I was looking for land, ironic or coincidentally, in. Arizona, because I was thinking of building just kind of this rural cabin. I just had this dream of kind of, you know, mountainside or in, in this nice, nice kind of nature area, just building a cabin and having as like a little retreat. So I was looking up in, I don't even know what source I was using, like realtor.com, just whatever was available on the web. And I was looking up in around Sonoma in Arizona and maybe it was just like just across the border in Utah. But I couldn't believe how expensive the land was for like 0.3 acres. It was a lot of the land was going for 150,000 plus and not, you know, not that scenic. I, I wonder how much of a, a difference or a margin there is depending on which channel you use to, to find land prices. Like if you just go to realtor.com and find it or if there's ways to really find much better value property. Yeah. I mean, I don't go to realtors. Because, you know, those properties that you were looking at, that's outside of my niche, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm looking at properties that are, you know, maybe two to three hours from the nearest town and are, you know, very inexpensive, mm-hmm. very inexpensive. And when you go find properties, are you, before you actually make an offer on a property, are you having to go see that with your own eyes or do you just use some type of web portal to find photos and, and scale out the land? We outsource it. Uh, we use a, a either a local Craigslist gig for fifty bucks. Uh-huh. So the process is they get our property report, they get our instructions how to get to the property, and they have to download a, an app called What Three Words, mm-hmm. and then they have to email us the three words that they're at, which convert to GPS coordinates, so we know they actually went there. <laughs> so they shoot video, they take pictures, and they fill out our report. I want to make sure what are the neighbors like? Are they dumping? What's the road like? Is it gravel? Is it is it paved? Is it dirt? Right? How far to the nearest Walmart? How long did it take for you to get there? Um, you know, what was you know the general soil look like? Right? Um, what's growing out there? Mm-hmm. And and get a, you know a full property report. We do our title search, and then if it, everything works out, we close. Dude, I love hearing about the systems and processes that are in place, and and how you've kind of built all sides of this this business and enterprise. It's super cool to to see all levels of it. And I wonder if, is there any type of size of land that is, you know, most suitable for what you typically go for? Or is it, is there a massive range? You know, it's so funny. I bought everything from a postage stamp to 640 acres. <laughs> but if I could pick one size, right? I joke to my wife, I'm like, if we have another child, I have three kids. My fourth child would be named 40. 
<laughs> I love 40 acre parcels. Um, my favorite deal ever was buying 640 acres in, in Nevada, subdividing them into 40s and selling them off. I mean, we made $5 million on just one deal doing that. Wow. So 40s are absolutely my favorite. It's like the perfect size. Five cell, 10 cell, 20 cell, one cell, half acre cell, but nothing is better than a 40 acre parcel. And when it comes to subdividing land into different plots, like you just said in that example, does that take a lot of permitting or is that also kind of processes that you have down to a system? It's a system, you know, it's essentially you, you go to the right county that allows you to do it and then you hire a, the local surveyor and they charge about seven bucks an acre mm-hmm. to do it. So, you know, on that deal, I was paying about 50 bucks an acre for the property um, plus seven for the surveyor and then I was selling it between 500 and 750 an acre. Dang, that's insane. Fifty dollars yeah. an acre just sounds insane. It's insane. Yeah. Wow. And you, you're living in Arizona. You just mentioned Nevada. Are you, are you typically looking in kind of these three or four different states around you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nobody wakes up, Sam says, Hey, you know what? I'd really love to buy some property today in Wisconsin, (laughs) right? Unless you live in Wisconsin, but California, Nevada, Texas, Arizona, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, New Mexico, Florida, right? These are all growing areas. They've got the sunshine. They've got nice weather for the most part. Maybe not Oregon and Washington as much, but mm-hmm. um, they've got something else going on over there as far as uh, you know right. the legalization of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And so it's just you know a massive, massive market. There's there's one county in Texas that has twenty eight thousand delinquent properties. Like how many of those can you and I buy? Jeez, gets a brain spinning for sure. And when you're owning land you know, going into liability side of things, how do you protect yourself on each and every go to make sure that, you know, some kid riding his, his bike across your land doesn't fall in, into a cactus? Yeah. So essentially what we do is we have a umbrella policy mm-hmm. that's, a, that's attached to our homeowner's policy. So if somebody sues us um, personally, we have that protection. Um, otherwise, the LLC will protect us. Okay, good. So that stuff's pretty easy for even a layman to figure out when they go in and buy their first property. They're not going yeah, to have to worry yeah. about it. Yeah, I mean, if you're an insurance agent, the insurance agent be like, oh, you've got to, you know, you got to buy insurance on every single piece of property. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Cool. You That's know, it. they want to get business insurance to get, you know, start, it's expensive. Just get an umbrella policy attached to the homeowners. Good to know. So you mentioned that you had that massive deal in Nevada that you made five million off of. Was that your your biz, biggest success in land so far? That was my biggest success so far in land. Absolutely. That's awesome. So are you, are you always going for, you know, large home runs in this style or is it, is it in this game? Is it much more about hitting singles? I think it's, um, it's, it's the full spectrum, right? There's singles, there's doubles. The longer you do it, the more you'll, you'll, you'll round the bases, mm-hmm. right? Jeff Axton, uh, one of my clients, he bought a, a 640 for 15,000. He flipped it for 150. So I'd call that a home run. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not typical. Uh, another one of my clients this week made 32 grand um, on a deal. Uh, I'd call that maybe a triple. But for the most part, you know, one of my clients, this is a single. He, he's, he bought a piece of property for 1500 and he sold it for nine grand. Mm-hmm. That's a nice single. It's solid, yeah, right? Um, so, you know, in our world of 300% to 1,000% margins, things get really weird, Right, because people are like, "Oh, I only made five hundred percent on that deal." Like, you only made five hundred percent on that deal. Like, like the real world. Like, no one does that. It's it's, so it's kind of weird. Yeah, we, we, you know, on every one of our episodes, we're talking about investing, and I would say the the majority of people that we talk to, the game is to kind of try to optimize around eight percent. You know, of course, with with stocks and and bonds and everything and portfolios of that such, and we, you know, but eight percent is really never going to make you wealthy, and we. We don't really buy into this philosophy of, you know, get a job, work for 40 years, put away some money, save it at 8%. And by the time you're 60 and <laughs> no longer care about having much money, you might have a nice nest egg build up. So we're always looking for, you know, kind of rule number one, we always say invest in yourself, learn new skills, try new things, build new businesses, and then always looking for, you know, these one-off opportunities to, to make a 10 times, 100 times, 300 times return. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that with land investing, the whole goal is for your 
passive income to exceed your fixed expenses. Mm-hmm. And then you're working because you want to, not because you have to. And that's, that's really, you know, the most gratifying thing for me is when I get an email from somebody or a Vox and they're like, Hey, um, I just retired my wife today. Right. Because, you know, we're, we're generating four grand a month in passive mm-hmm. income or, uh, you know, Sean Rickman, and Rachel Mueller quit their jobs last month. They're going to go to Europe, right? Because their passive income exceeds their fixed expenses. They don't need to work. Mm-hmm. They're just going to go and enjoy life. Um, you know, uh, it, it, so it's really crazy some of the stories. And, and nobody ever thanked me uh, for changing their life when I, you know, I buy, you know, when I sell them a piece of raw land. But um, Land Geek, it's, it's really been a very humbling and, and gratifying experience to see how this model has, has changed people's lives. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. That's awesome. Now, what, would, what could possibly go wrong or what mistakes do you see people make when they, you know, they become a client of yours or they go off and, and try to do it on their own? What mistakes have you seen happen where people get themselves in bad situations, maybe by not doing enough due diligence or, or uh, acting a little too fast? Yeah, I mean, if they're, if they're with us, it's kind of like you know, a Sherpa taking you up to Everest. Mm-hmm. It's really safe. Um, if they're doing it on their own, I, I'd say that the biggest mistake I'd see is um, paralysis analysis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to do due diligence on the list before they even send out an offer. They want to play business. They want to get an LLC first. They want to get business cards first. Mm-hmm. They want to get a logo. <laughs> None of these things make you any money, right? <laughs> they want to look professional before they're even professional. <laughs> um, so I see that a lot. Uh, I would say, I mean, you know, because of our, you know, if you maybe mispricing, if they don't know how to price it right, um, you know, just poor calculating, maybe going to the wrong county mm-hmm. because they're not doing the county research correctly. You know, those things can happen. But, you know, if you're staying away from the East Coast, you don't have to really worry about like environmental issues, like a mm-hmm. super fun site. You can go to epa.gov and um, just double check to make sure you're not, you know, buying in a super fun site. But right. for the most part, it's, you know, it's it's really tough when you buy an asset twenty three cents on the dollar to lose. Right. It's really really tough. So it's, it's not impossible. Right. So as long as you're getting the undervalued property, I think where where we messed up was we didn't understand how much tax we'd have to pay on it, and then we didn't have an out, or we didn't know how to sell it, and then all of a, I think we were playing more the the game of what you mentioned earlier, whereas you buy a piece of property, you sit on it for 10 years and hope a developer comes in. And I mean, I was only 13, so I didn't know, I didn't know, uh, what, what, uh, taxes were at that point anyways in my life, but you know, that never happened. And I'm not sure what actually we did with the property, but would that be any type of scenario that you've seen happen where people buy and then they, they have cash flow issues from it? Yeah, I, I, not, not too much, mm-hmm. not too much actually. Yeah, we we've been we've been very lucky with that, because you know even if even if somebody doesn't have a lot of money, they can wholesale to me, mm-hmm. and I'll buy it. You know, they'll make a hundred percent, and I'll make two hundred percent. Sounds like a good model. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> and man, you've you've bought so many properties, five thousand pieces of property. I I have no idea how many acres that is, but you must have some really interesting stories. Is there anything that's that's particularly wild that's happening? An interesting story or something something funny or that's happened on one of the pieces of property something unexpected of any sort i've got a crazy story um i get a call from the fbi like four years ago everybody's favorite phone call my favorite phone call (laughs) and this woman who who spent like 50 grand buying up raw land for me Mm -hmm. um turns out she was embezzling from her her company and she stole like $2 million. And she was buying like land and exotic animals and sports cars. And, you know, she was like going around the, the country with her boyfriend. She was married at the time. Like she went <laughs> off the rails and she was going to jail. And they wanted to know, like, you know, how did you meet this woman? And, and you know, the whole transaction, well, it, it turned out like, I, I was able to keep the money. It was fine. Wow. You know, she was she was on the hook. Well, she sounded like she uh, she enjoyed it while it last. She had quite a quite a ride. But, <laughs> she, but, yeah. She buys some she buys some tigers and put it on the raw land. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. But like, yeah, rare like you know birds. And yeah. It's it just a crazy story that I was looking at it. Uh, I was showing my wife like, look at this. It's like it made like national news. Yeah. I would think there'd be some type of. I, I was 
I mean, I watched like National Ge- Geographic a lot and stuff. There's always these kind of treasure hunts that always happen out out west for some of the old cowboys gold and stuff that's supposed to be buried in, you know, Arizona, New Mexico areas and stuff. I would just think that something, something over time would pop up like that. You get some like treasure hunters or strike oil on the property or, or something cool like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing like that. Keep us posted when those treasure hunters come through. (laughs) I I will. I will. So Mark, I just want to kind of take, have you take us through, you know, what, what it's like to be a client of yours and, you know, if someone like myself came to you and was like, Hey, I'm, I, I definitely want to do this. You know, where's the best place to get started? How would you kind of get us up to speed and, and into the system? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I think that the best place to go is thelandgeek.com mm-hmm. and then just download for free, you know, the ebook, How to Avoid the Three Fail Land Buying Mistakes, um, get our passive income blueprint. And start listening to our Land Geek podcast. So we have like a free membership site with over 100 podcasts, mm-hmm. all devoted to land investing. And then when you feel like, hey, this is this this really appeals to me, um, then you can take it to the next level. And you know we have different products and services for every budget that can kind of help get you there. But you know it's it's one of those things. We you know we have so much information out there. I, I would say you know, get educated to even make sure that this is right for you mm-hmm. before you even start. And who's, you know, what, what are your, your client range from? Do they, do you have everything from kind of university students on up to, you know, moguls of some sort? I, yeah, absolutely. I certainly do. I, yeah. Um, it's crazy. I've got guys who've been in this business for, you know, 20 years mm-hmm. and top of their game and they want to get better. And I've got, uh, university students. I have doctors, I have lawyers, um, I have a lot of software engineers because I'm the land geek and they like systems. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of engineers, a lot of pilots. Um, you know, if you go to one of our boot camps uh, and you've ever been to another real estate seminar, you're like, oh my gosh, it's really different. That <laughs> like, sounds like a lot of fun, actually. What, it's a lot talk- of fun, but like we, you know, it's a very geeky group. <laughs> nothing sure. wrong with that. Like, nothing wrong with that. We like geeks. What? Uh, yeah. Tell us about the boot camp, real quick. Yeah, so the boot camp is a two and a half day, just land investing immersion mm-hmm. uh, program, and it's you know it's just you know networking and um, and just you know learning, and it's it's great, it's great. If you go to thelandgeek.com forward slash boot camp, you can learn all about it. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely leave a link to that in the show notes. And Mark, just on your your personal investing, are you a hundred percent invested in in this business and in land, or do you have investments outside of that? Well, I was curious to hear what people are, are personally investing in. Yeah. So I have an EQRP. I have a qualified retirement plan mm-hmm. that gives me check writing privileges. So in my retirement vehicle, I buy up other people's land notes. So, you know, for me, that's the most passive of passive pieces because, you know, I'm teaching people how to do this. So I know they know how to do it right. They know, I know they bought it right. And then if they need cash, I can buy 12 to 18 months of their cash flow. And then they can pay me a return on that into my retirement plan. And the best case for me is if they default because then I get an asset that I can sell 300% to 1,000%, right? So um, that's kind of how I diversify is I buy up notes, Hmm. essentially, in my retirement. And then... Otherwise, uh, I just keep buying and selling raw land. Very cool. I love I love the focus and the the niche. Really appreciate you sharing all that stuff with us. A lot to digest and such a an interesting topic that we haven't touched yet. So having your expertise on has been a lot of fun, and uh, we really appreciate your time. Thanks, Sam. I really appreciate it. Okay, all the listeners will leave links in the show notes, and if you want to reach out to Mark, we'll leave some contact information for him. Be sure to check out his podcast and all of his other material available on thelandgeek.com. Mark, catch you later, buddy. Thanks, Sam. Sam, I know I get excited with a lot of our guests, but with the Land Geek in this episode, I swear to God, I the first thing I did was I started researching how I can do this myself. <laughs> well, you got to reach out to Land Geek. And in fact, I know a bunch of our listeners are going to contact the Land Geek after this. Anyone who does and starts working with them, let us know. I'm super interested to, to find out more about the process and from your personal experience so that we can share with... Uh, you know, with everybody, because this is this is really cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. And at first, I was thinking, I was like, okay, if I was in the U.S., I would absolutely do this because I think it'd be kind of fun just to even drive out to some of those properties, even if even if you don't have to. How cool would it be to be able to go out to one of your properties that you actually own and be like, "Yep, this this is mine." 
Yeah. You know, what's a, a great quote from this episode was Ted Turner. And he said, buy raw land. It's the only thing that lasts. And this is kind of counter to anything I've ever thought about with, with raw land, which is why I like these type of episodes, almost like the Phil Town episode where it kind of flips everything on its head, everything that we're kind of thinking about. It just flips it over and makes you kind of think maybe there's a definitely a better way. Uh, and this this episode, I, I think there's there's a lot of good takeaways from this. So, Johnny, give me, let's talk about some of those. Yeah, definitely. So it, it took me a, a, like a minute to even figure out what Ted Turner meant by it's the only thing that lasts. But, he, <laughs> but he's right because there's no building on there. There's nothing to decay or maintain. There's no – it's just a piece of, of parcel land. And you know what? Maybe nature will take it over. There's a bunch of trees people have to clear out, but that might be the reason why someone's going to buy it anyways. But I think it's really cool that his model is not buy and hold in hopes that some developer is going to come in, build a casino, and offer you a million dollars with a piece of land. Because that could happen. But to be honest, unless you have some inside information, like on uh, the, the TV show Billions, most likely that's not actually going to happen. And that's just like buying a lottery ticket and holding on to it and not cashing it out. And I think that's why so many people get raw land wrong, including myself before, because we bought a piece of raw land. We sat on it for five years, hope, hope the development would grow and someone would want to buy it. And all along the way, we're just paying taxes with no plan. And in, in time, you either have to sell it or you have to just continue to hope longer and, and hope for the best. We ended up selling it, sold it at a loss. And now this episode, it says, oh, make it make sense because you're not going for that that necessarily hockey stick return of waiting and holding out for a developer. You have a plan and a distribution channel in place to sell this, and it all just comes down to a system. So you know that saying, uh, I think it was a quote of a movie that says, there's always a sucker in the room. If you, if you don't know who it is, it's you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Are you calling me a sucker, Johnny? <laughs> maybe. But, you know, you, you were 13 at the time, so I'll give yeah. some credit for this. But every time I, I think a deal might sound too good to be true, I ask myself, who's a sucker in this situation? Who's losing the money? And you kind of just explained it well, where the the people who are buying plots of, of land and holding it and they're paying these, you know, uh, these ridiculous property taxes for years and years eventually they're going to be tired of it. And they're just going to be like, okay, I waste my money. I'll sell it at a loss. Yep. And sucker is a, a bad word. You know, I, feel, I feel bad for these people, but that's who is you know, giving up the property at a lower than optimal value. You know, Sometimes yeah. at what he said, like 28 cents on the dollar. And then the people you're selling it to are the people that have kind of the hopes and dreams of saying, all right, I'm going to buy this piece of land and it might be worth, you know, a million dollars someday. So then you have a buyer on both ends, and uh, us in the middle. The, you know, is, is, are really the only logical or rational people. Mm -hmm. I was getting interviewed the other day, and we we're talking about just business as a general concept nowadays. And today, business is extremely, extremely fast-paced and super ultra competitive. And ninety percent of startups fail, maybe even more now. But also. There's never been a, not, a better opportunity to start a business, to become an investor, to get ultra rich. This is this is it. You know, this is the greatest period in history. But if you want to, if you really want to scale, you need speed, you need confidence, and you need automation. And one of the things that he has done is create an automated system. And without that, he would never have gotten to five thousand properties. Right? You have to have automation to get to that. That would take a, a lifetime. Uh, he may not have even ever been able to quit his other job, but he's been able to create systems to automate this massive, massive mailing and marketing process. And that's why he and his system were able to win and to find these these ideal opportunities that, you know, like you said, 28 cents on the dollar and flip them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually, I think that's a, such a good point that you brought up. And one of my kind of concerns after listening to this episode was, how am I going to do this while abroad? And I thought, okay, it's it's really cool that he can find a surveyors to go out and actually look at the land. Uh, he can find the deals without ever actually going there. And I started, you know, having you know thoughts like, what about um, sending out the mail? Like, you know, don't I need to be the one to actually send out the mail? And then I realized that there's all these websites where you can have them send out bulk mail for you, and they can even do it in like hand lettering fonts to make it look like. It's the, real. Yeah. It's, it's it's a yeah. It's, it's a real letter that was written by hand, 
And if anything, it's kind of a almost a, a blessing in disguise being out overseas. You know, right now we're in Spain and not being able, you know, not not even having the option to handwrite 500 offers and send them out in the mail. Yeah, and not really having the option to go visit the property. And I think that was one of the the big takeaways in this episode was that he he sees a lot of people make mistakes in, and that he admitted to making earlier mistakes in is is being a, a land snob or getting too emotionally attached to property. And you can, you know, if we were in whatever state we were and we were doing these things, and there was property around. I would be very, very tempted to go spend four hours driving to see this property, you know, but it's not necessary. So kind of removing that option and sticking with the system makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Uh, So I think the only reason why I'm not going to sign up right away and just, just jump on this is because I think a big part of their kind of the value in the, the kind of the land geek course is that they have an in-person training. I think he calls it a boot camp, mm-hmm. and I, I'm also sure that there's going to be some small things that would be just easier if I was in the U.S. Like for sure. example, you know when people call in, having it forward to a cell phone and be able to actually pick up and close the deal with the phone and things like that. Well, I think this is another good one for you and I to put on the radar for the next time we're back in the U.S. Maybe stop by uh, Georgia, visit Phil Town, do their course, and then go on and visit the Land Geek. Uh, this for me, this for this would be a perfect thing for you, based on what you're working on right now, your lifestyle, having some time to invest in a new revenue source, and having capital to also, you know, put behind that as well. Yeah, definitely. And it seems like it sounds fun, to be honest. Like when he was talking about, you know, how it's, it's more of a hobby and I actually took a listen to a couple of his other, his podcast episodes where he interviewed some of his students and they all talk about how much fun it is to just find good deals. And I am a deal nerd where I, I just enjoy finding deals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, to, yeah. So his course, I think it's called the investors toolkit. I just I looked it up and it was a thousand seven hundred dollars, a thousand seven hundred fifty dollars, but it it looks like one of those things where it's all packaged up together. Where if you're serious about this, I'm pretty sure you can learn most of it. You know, doing your own, you know, googling around and reading books and listening to podcasts and things like that. But I think what he had said on another podcast is after you buy your first property, if you don't cash flow that, then he will refund you the course. And I think. That's that's really smart on his end because that means that you know you actually have to go through the actual course. You have to actually watch the videos and then take action if you want to get a refund. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also really smart uh, for the students' point of view because you know it it kind of it, it kind of filters out the people who aren't serious about it who has hesitations and they're like, all right, well, let me just give it a shot. And if they give it a shot and it works out, then there's no reason for them to refund the course. Yeah, I like that. One other point that I thought was really cool on this, if you just think about it from a pure numbers standpoint, so much of of investing and so much of business and so much of everything in life, it just comes down to numbers. It's a numbers game, right? You've heard that tons and tons of times in different contexts throughout life. And he said the two really important points to this stuff, mailing and marketing. Mailing is deal flow. Marketing is flipping the properties. And if he if they're getting three percent response on the, their offers, they know that the, they priced it too low. And if they're getting five percent response, they know they priced it too high. I love the science behind it. I love I love the precision, but also it's a it's it's a numbers game, right? You can apply that to so many different things in life. And a lot of people love the landlord episode. You know, he did it numbers game strictly through pure hustle and just cold calling and making it happen. And the Land Geek has done it in a similar way, but using a lot more automation, a lot more tech savviness. Yeah, I definitely think so. It's really cool that the things that you took away out of this episode are probably completely different than what a lot of people listen to. A lot of people listen to just, you know, the real estate side of it. But I think you kind of hear the business automation and startup mentality side of it. Yeah, those were, that was a really cool episode. Mark, if you're listening, thanks for coming on and sharing that stuff. We'd love to have you back on in the future and talk about the progress of this and more systems and more analysis because this is great stuff. So, guys, if you like this, check out Mark's website, thelandgeek.com. He's also got a great podcast. Johnny and I have listened to a few episodes under the same name, The Land Geek. And uh, 
again, let us know if you work with Mark and you follow the process, join the program, let us know. We'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, actually, I think he's now renamed the podcast to the best passive income model podcast. Okay, great. Where where I think he's pretty excited about, uh, the, you know, the, the part about the dealer financing. And if you guys didn't Mm -hmm. get that part of it, it's, that's by far my favorite part. I, you know, I really want to wrap everyone's head around that is not only are you making, you know, a 300x return on your investment for flipping the land, but now that person who's buying it from you is paying you 10% interest on it for <laughs> until they can pay it off. So mm-hmm. to me, that's like a double, double whammy. And what, what's, what, what are your thoughts, Sam? Are you, are you going to take any action on this or are you going to kind of hold off to it back in the US? I'm gonna. I'm holding off on everything. I'm permanently on hold just to f- put my head down and focus on the startups. And but I mean, there's just so many good things out there. That's what the great thing about this podcast is. We're just unearthing lots of opportunities, and it's you know everyone's got their own strategy. I'm happy with where we got in the last 12 months of running this podcast and and reshaping our portfolios. So I don't want to continue to tweak, 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 mm-hmm. but. Like I said, this is this is of super interest, and I, I think it you know it makes it all makes sense. And I, I love systems, and I love automation. And if you can if you can use that to to have an information and a deal flow advantage and and some type of distribution uh, channel for for marketing those goods, I, I think it's all wins. If somebody can come out with some kind of automated platform like Pure Street or um, Wealthfront for raw land. Let me know because that is something I'd be super interested in, where right? I'd be happy to give up a percentage of of the deal for mm-hmm. other people to kind of go through the whole process. Yeah, that that was exactly what I was thinking with crowdfunding real estate. You know, there's 150 platforms out there. We use a couple of them. There's a lot of other good ones out there. But more than anything, there's there's tons of good deals on all these platforms. But you really have to know how to analyze these deals to get into them, right? So I think there's all types of new opportunities for people to uh, to create systems like Marcus created for raw land in other categories and uh, and take a percentage for for managing it and, and creating confidence around that. Yeah, definitely. So let us know in the Boss Lounge if you hear of any, uh, any platforms like that. And if you guys end up flipping any any la- raw land or you guys end up joining his course let us know because i'm i'm really am excited about uh about pretty much you know everything that he taught uh so i want to give a big shout out for this week to everyone who's left these amazing five star reviews of the podcast uh, without you guys we would not be able to continue bring out these amazing episodes every single week uh so this week i would like to say thank you to k mall 360 Love the different ideas and perspectives, putting their money where their mouths are. Five stars. Been listening since day two and discovered them by accident. Very happy with hearing their potential tra- personal travels and ideas and the fact that they have skin in the game they discuss. Honest and open discussions keep it and me interested in listening to more episodes. So thank you so much, K-Mall. Thank you, K-Mall and everybody out there. Hasta luego. See you all next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.